Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is Tansy Boggan, who is joining me from Christchurch, New Zealand. Thank you for being here today, Tansy. I'm really excited to hear all about you. Um, You're a qualified nutritionist. You've written an amazing book called Joyful Eating, which sounds great, and I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, And you're also really interested in recipe development, which is a thing that I also love. So I love talking about recipe development. And yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. So thank you for being here with me today. No, thank you for having me. It's, it's great to have this opportunity. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. So let's get into it by talking a little bit about how you got started in the nutrition and health space. Mm-hmm. So I think I've been interested in nutrition and wellness pretty much my whole life, um, even as a child. And uh, my passion sort of moved towards the health of the planet. Um, and so I ended up doing a Bachelor of Environmental Science um, and worked in the environmental field for about... 10 years and I worked sort of in research and then I worked in sort of community projects Um, and when you're working community projects the the projects I was working on there was a lot of funding coming from government programs and a lot of sort of top-down management and I think at the time I was maybe a bit delusional about what the wellness space was like and thought oh if I work in health and wellness you know it's a much more relaxed environment to work in I can prioritize my own health and well-being so I sort of decided to move into health and and wellness and my husband is a chiropractor and I decided to um, open a wellness clinic with him so it's something that a lot of people dream about is this idea of having um, a few different practitioners working together alongside each other and we offered things like yoga and pilates and we had a nutritionist naturopath massage therapist Um, and yeah I think it was a bit of a you know, wake up call as to how much hard work that was. I can imagine. Um, you know, yeah, like I, I really enjoyed it and, and my project management skills from my environmental days sort of helped me with that role, but it was a lot of hard work. And I think I was sort of looking for something to do for myself rather than just managing other people and coordinating things. And yeah. something that kept coming up when I was at the reception desk and people would come out after a consultation with the naturopath, but often say to me, oh, I don't know how I'm going to eat the way this they've recommended that I eat. Yeah. I've got to eat more beetroot or something like that. And they'd be looking at me like going, how do I do anything with beetroot other than, you know, a canned beetroot, for example. And yeah. so it sort of got me on a bit of a journey of exploring how we prepare different foods because I love being creative in the kitchen. And I wanted to help people sort of, implement the recommendations that they were being given yeah and so I started teaching cooking classes so cool um, and I did that for about five years um, so I took classes that were very much around the recommendations they were being given by the nutritionist and naturopath in the clinic yep but with time I started to realize that there was a lot of restriction you know a lot of popular diets a lot of misinformation and I 
think even for myself, I was sort of falling down that trap. Like you sort of, when you're a little bit ignorant to nutrition, you can get very excited about, you know, well, this is before paleo days, but you know, sort of these traditional diets. And then um, I went on a bit of a raw food phase. And so you get sort of caught up in all these popular diets. And I started to realize not only was what was being recommended to the clients quite restrictive, I was quite restrictive in my own diet and I I suppose I wanted to find if there was a much more relaxed way to relate to food. I sort of realized that a lot of it was about trying to control my body and my health and and it wasn't particularly healthy or sustainable. Yeah. And so I got into sort of wellness coaching and I studied eating psychology and I, I went down a bit of a coaching road of being a bit muddled of like intuitive eating and weight loss and raw food. Like it was a very weird mix of things. And I started to realize that this just wasn't <laughs> making much sense either. <laughs> so I decided to go back to uni and um, study nutrition to get all my facts straight and I suppose I was at a point that I really wanted to explore intuitive eating, but I, I just wanted to get a foundation before I started working in that space. Yep. I think, you know, there's a lot of intuitive eating coaches out there and people doing work around body positivity and, and that sort of thing. But yep. I felt like I wanted that scientific foundation. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. What an incredible journey. You've done so many cool things. Yeah. <laughs> It has been really interesting. Like there's been so many other things along the way in there, but um, it's sort of all pieces together. And I think has formed that foundation of finding our own path, I suppose, whether it's as a client or even as us as professionals as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. So when you studied nutrition, what did you do Mm -hmm. after that? Did you sort of have an idea where you wanted to go? You obviously had that passion for intuitive eating and you'd had that background in coaching. Um, Did you straight away go into working one-on-one or did you start to incorporate some of those cooking classes back in or what was your process after graduation? Um, So while I was doing my studies, I worked as a business support officer at a counselling clinic for eating disorders, people with eating disorders. And I I think like I chose that position because I really wanted to do work in the intuitive eating space and I wanted to be sort of surrounded by people of that sort of same mindset. And I think... I was a bit afraid about teaching cooking or recipe development. Like I've been doing that for so long and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But it was like, how do, we, how do I teach someone to have a healthy relationship with food while also telling them how to cook or, you know, what's healthy and unhealthy and that sort of thing. So I think I just went through a bit of a confused phase and I sort of steered away from the cooking and focused more so on nutritional counselling and really helping people to figure out their own um, relationship to food and how they wanted to eat and what things they wanted to tweak in their diet. So I sort of took more of a counselling approach. Um, My husband and I, after I graduated, ended up in Singapore for a year. And I provided nutritional counselling there as well as had a lot of time to do my own research and learning yeah. as as well to sort of really get behind the scenes of the science behind intuitive eating as well. Yeah, that sounds cool. And is that where you got the inspiration for your book from as you were starting to do more of that um, counselling and coaching? Did you start to see a theme and you thought, oh, I can put this into a book or tell us a little bit about the process of how you brought that into creation? Yeah. Um, so probably started about 10 years ago when I was sort of on my own journey. I did some um, mindset coaching training yep. before I went back to university and 
just at the time was really thinking, can we use how we relate to food to impact our eating behaviour? So, you know, if we're more mindful of eating, how does that impact our health if we're reducing stress and we're bringing ourselves into a relaxed state when we're eating? So it was something that was always there as something I was interested in. And I think initially I started just reading popular books and stuff like that. And had like an idea in my mind. But then when I went back to university and got the science, I wanted to then incorporate some of the, I suppose, a philosophy and a bit of the science to back that up. Mm-hmm. And then when we were in Singapore, you know, I was probably only seeing one or two, three clients a day. Yeah. So I would just go to work, set up my computer and start doing research and writing. And I um, blogged and reflected on consultations with clients, got into PubMed and did research to sort of look at some of those theories that I had. And so I suppose the book is sort of bringing together some of the the initial mindset training that I did, some of the nutritional studies, my own journey and reflections of client consultations and a lot of tools that I sort of developed along the way to help people to reflect on their relationship to food or their food rules or you know learning to listen to their hunger and that sort of thing so it was also bringing in a lot of the tools that I'd learnt over those 10 years as well wow that mm. sounds incredible yeah it's a big project <laughs> I bet yeah <laughs> cool. yeah yeah how long would you say it took when you did start to research and start writing um I'd say it took about a year to write the book once I started I initially decided I'm going to blog on a regular basis and see whether I have this in me to write and to articulate my ideas so I started that for about six months and then you know I was blogging every week I just wanted to know that I could do it and then after that I started to seriously write the book and I just allocated an hour a day and just wrote an hour a day but I had more than that a lot of the time yeah and then when we left Singapore I had two full-time months yeah. to write as well. So when we moved to Christchurch, I pretty much had the first draft of the book done. Amazing. And it took about another six months of editing. So I would say it's about 18 months worth of work. Yeah. A lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah it's not an easy thing to do, that's for sure. Yeah, certainly not. <laughs> Does it feel great though having it done? Yeah. It's definitely really nice to sort of feel like even now, like I look at it and go, oh, I can't believe that I wrote that. You know, it's... Yeah. So many of it, my own ideas and, and thoughts, but then you read it. It's like, it's now separate from me, I suppose, but it was all those years of like mulling around in my brain and now to have it on paper is really cool. And it, yeah. I think it'd been a dream of mine way back in my research days when I was working in the environmental sector to, to write a book. Yep. I did um, two years of a PhD and realised that I wanted to write a book rather than do a PhD. Um, yep. And that didn't eventuate in that sector, but it was something that had always been there that I really wanted to do. Yeah, incredible. And did you self-publish the book? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. I think um, I could have gone down the traditional road, but I think it would have just taken a really long time. And I, I suppose I was writing it for myself more than anything, and I didn't feel like I needed anyone else's validation that it was a worthy book. Yeah. So I just decided to publish it myself and go down that road, which was a big learning process as well. Yeah, I bet there would have been a lot involved with that. Do you have any tips for anyone who is considering writing a book and does want to go down the self-publishing route? I think in terms of self-publishing, there is a lot of different ways to do it. There's companies that can support you through the entire self-publishing process. And then there's also 
and they can be quite expensive. Um, and there is ways you can do it quite cheaply yourself as well. So I think it really just depends on how much time yep. and interest you have in you know learning about the ins and outs of publication and editing and and things like that because it's there's a lot of nitty-gritty that comes in there and I was a little bit overwhelmed so I did use a company that helped me you know with the ISBN number and getting it onto Amazon and things like that yeah now I would feel a bit more comfortable doing that (laughs) but I think I just wanted to write the book and edit the book the idea of doing all the other stuff just seemed really hard at the time yeah but it is possible to do that quite cheaply as well so I think in the future that's probably the way that I'd go yeah if I was to to self-publish but it is a long and expensive process to do as well and not you know most people who self-publish books or most people who publish books you know there's there's not this guaranteed outcome at the end or or sales or anything like that so I think it has to really be a passion something you want to do for yourself yep rather than you know focusing on it becoming a, a huge a success I think that's another thing and and also it can be a useful tool um, I think for me it really helped my confidence. I think as I was talking to a, a new graduate recently about, and I think I heard this on your podcast as well, about the idea of creating resources. And like whilst you're studying, you could be creating resources, but as you start working with clients or writing blogs or recipes to actually start producing resources and, you know, presentable resources that you could can then use in consultations or in the future and I think that was something I hadn't really considered doing but I I feel like my book is sort of that for me Um, obviously it's it's useful for other people to read but for myself it was just like putting everything in one place and like this these are all the resources that I'm using and you know each topic to reflect on around our relationship to food so it's like putting everything in in one place yeah like a Mm. go-to resource would be a really helpful tool Mm, definitely yeah brilliant all right so let's talk a little bit about your experience with you take part in a supermarket nutrition program tell us a little bit about what that is what it involves and how you got started Mm -hmm. um so when we moved to Christchurch I my focus was editing my book yep and I was a little bit insecure about finding work as we all know there's not a lot of jobs out there for nutritionists and I wasn't prepared to start my own business again and it just happened to be a friend of a friend that we met on our first week here in in Christchurch knew someone who was a nutritionist who put me in touch with someone else and this lady that I was introduced to was managing a supermarket nutrition program Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was like, I'm not sure if I want to work in a supermarket. I was a little bit you know, hesitant, but I've been doing it for two years now and I absolutely love it. Yeah. So essentially, it's been about six years the program's been going here in Christchurch and it was an independent supermarket store owner and a nutritionist got together and said, wouldn't it be great if we could be providing nutrition messages and resources to the customers that come into store? Yep. Um, and recipes and tastings as well. So they just put that together and then that is spread across other supermarkets in Christchurch. And we have a few nutritionists working in just select supermarkets. So the supermarket pays us for the service. Yep. Um, and then I produce all the resources and recipes that go into so that each nutritionist just walks in with a pack of resources each week that I provide them. Yep and go into store and generally it's tastings of recipes or it might be um, different 
products, introducing people to different types of products in store or seasonal produce, yeah. um, different ways of preparing vegetables, for example. So it can be a whole variety of things and it generally stems around some sort of tasting because, you know, people want free food like they <laughs> They love free food. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I've got if it's, you know, baked Brussels sprouts or... <laughs> I put beetroot on a toothpick and people want to eat it. And it's, yeah. So it's just really um, helping people to get a bit more curious mm-hmm. and try different things. And I'll have people that will say to me that they haven't eaten leek, you know, since they were a child or something. And now they've started eating leeks again, for example, because I think we just get into ruts with food yeah. and with shopping, you know, going to this, getting the same sort of products and then not realizing that there's a new product, like a, a brown rice cracker or something like that and I can introduce them to that um so generally it's sort of just I stand in one spot and and talk to customers as they come past but I can also wander through the supermarket and do sort of like impromptu supermarket tours but just helping someone select yogurt for example or something like that and I suppose being there for a number of years you get to know customers yeah and they know you, so it's not like some strange strangers walking up to you, giving you advice on, on yogurt, but they sort of know you. They have identifiable apron as well, so people sort of get to know that's what you're doing in store. Yeah, I think that is such a cool concept. So beneficial and such a great way to reach more people. Mm, mm. Yeah, and so essentially um, we actually have it's a little bit different supermarkets in New Zealand to Australia. Yeah. I find there's a lot more community engagement, yeah. a lot more tastings. We have wine tastings in store. We have mm. you know, all sorts of different foods um, being tasted in store. And we also have pretty good delis that will make food from scratch as well. So one of the questions I often get asked is like, do I have to prepare all this food? But I actually just send the recipe to the delicatessen and they will make whatever I ask. So good. Um, the bakery, the same sort of thing. So if I'm doing like an oat muffin or something like that, I just send them the recipe and they make it up for me. Um, So then don't have to worry about the food safety side of things that's been done by the store um, and I'm just serving it up. So it takes that pressure off the roll as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. Mm. And you said earlier that the nutritionists just go in with resources. Do you have like handouts that you give out to people or what did you mean by the resources? Yep. So we have, yeah, we do have handouts. So every week um, we have a nutrition message yep. and an associated food or recipe to go with that. Generally it's a recipe yep. and that's a handout that we provide to customers. Mm-hmm. So when they come for a tasting, we'll give them that recipe and handout. Um, and we'll also have that available sort of at the front of the store for people who miss us. Yep. We have an email database as well, people who sign up to our wellness sort of program um, and they can receive that. So even if someone, I think what I quite like about it is that even if someone is just focused on the food and like, I just want, you know, a free muffin or whatever it might be that you've got there, they've now taken this little handout and there's a message on there. So generally I'll, it's a double-sided thing and it might be talking about the difference between intrinsic sugar and added sugar, for example, and that was the message. But they've just tasted muffin and they were like, oh, I like that muffin, I'll make that. Yeah. But they, they can now learn a little bit more. And, and obviously we try to discuss that with people in store, but you don't always get to have that depth of conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, there's always some sort of message that comes across. 
yeah. as well. Um, so I, I write those resources up each week and each nutritionist, I just send them to those and they take them in and print them in store. Yeah. So it's quite a bit of work. Like I think doing it all on your own would be quite a lot, but, um, you know, it's great to have those resources and when you walk into the store you just know what you're doing I've, I've already thought about it ages ago and it's just there yeah just following this, this plan yeah mm. this is such a cool idea anyone listening who wants to bring this to Australia here's your inspiration for a great supermarket idea <laughs> yeah, I think it's great like there's more of it in the US their supermarkets will have dietitians in store and they'll even do consultations yeah. in store supermarket tours all these sorts of things um so i think the lady that started this was quite innovative and she goes to america every year to go to the supermarket conferences over there and that's where she got this idea from so it's yeah it is quite innovative and new i think for new zealand but also in australia but i think it really provides a point of difference from its supermarket and that's why they the owners really like it yeah so we've got like independent owned supermarket and it's their sort of point of difference to be like we have a nutritionist in store you can come in these days of the week and know that there's someone here you can get nutritional advice from yeah and taste um, food inspiration (laughs) and ideas and stuff Mm. yeah Mm. yeah that is absolutely brilliant so how many supermarkets and nutritionists would you say roughly like a ballpark are involved now Oh, we had to cut back a bit. So there's only four at the moment. Yeah. Um, we had more stores um, with COVID and a few things. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, which is a tricky. We've got a few other stores that are like, hopefully we'll start again in the new year. Um, I think it's more like five stores. It's a bit tricky because it'd be great to get into other stores, but then it's also like, how do you have a point of difference if there's a nutritionist everywhere? So it's... yeah. A little bit tricky, but it'd be nice to get it elsewhere and just spread it a little bit more widely. And I also send my resources to other stores throughout South Island. So even if they don't have a nutritionist, they've got those resources. Or if there's a nutritionist anywhere out there that would like to take it up, you know, there's the ability to do that as as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's very cool. And how have you adapted now with COVID and lockdowns and not being able to do those tastings? Are you, have you like moved it online a little bit? Are you still sending out those weekly resources or have you sort of just tamped it back a little bit until you can keep going as normal? Um, we're doing the weekly resources. Yep. Yeah. So I've sort of focused probably more on nutritional messages and misconceptions and fears and comfort foods. And yeah, yeah so it's still information going out there That's great. to people. But it, but yeah, it's the customers definitely miss having you in store. Um, you know, I have had some messages from people saying we're missing you or the store, you know, it's constantly asked where's the nutritionist um yeah so it's sort of you do get known and people really you know appreciate it and enjoy coming in and seeing you every every week yeah um and generally I'll send out an email when I arrive in the store and say I'm in store this is the recipe that we're doing um I do it for two afternoons yeah and people will see it on their phone and come in to say hello that's so <laughs> it's- nice <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Do you find it's been a really good marketing tool for you as well? Like because you obviously have formed these amazing connections with the people who come in. Has it benefited your own business and services while you're there? Well, not so much, but there is definitely the ability to do that. I I was sort of avoiding one-on-one sessions when I first arrived and 
sort of held back from that. But there's definitely the ability to do that. Um, and some of the other nutritionists have done really well. There's one that does sports nutrition and she's done really well at generating client leads through that. Yep. So I think it just depends how much you're, you're doing that. We're sort of there to represent the store, but at the same time, it's like we're there as an expert that does other things. So we, we're, we can share that as well. When I had my book launch last year, I had some people from the store come oh, so nice. to the book launch. It was really nice to see them out of that context. So it's sort of building those relationships and then, you, you know, some of them start to follow you on social media and interact in that way. Because sometimes it's just such a short interaction and a super market they're not really getting to know you really well but they sort of feel like they do because they're seeing you every week sometimes but um you know just to get to know you a bit more on what you do and and check out your website and social media and stuff like that yeah that's really Mm. nice and you mentioned in there you had a book launch tell us a little bit about that Mm. (laughs) so i had three book launches i i um so i had one in adelaide brisbane and and christchurch because i've sort of lived in those places and had connections there and I I really wanted to particularly with Adelaide and Brisbane to just go back and hang out with people that were part of my journey of reflecting and learning and that you know knew what I'd been sort of through in writing that and then yes the book launches were really just more of a bit of a party really um an opportunity just to get together with people and you know it was open to anyone so I had some people there that I didn't know that were completely new to me and just talking about the experience of writing the book and why I wrote the book and doing book signings and stuff like that so it was just a bit of a fun thing to do really and get the book into people's hands yeah a lot of people that know you you know love the idea of having you sign a book and having that opportunity to see each other face to face rather than buy it online. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really nice. And how did you go about organizing those? Did you find a venue and then sort of send out the invites? Yes. So I suppose running events is something that was, it's been pretty natural to me because I've been doing it for a long time in terms of running the cooking workshops way back um, when. So in this case, I, two of them, I contacted cafes that I knew and was just like, love to have an afternoon tea here on your closing hour, you know, work out a a rate per head and we'll have, you know, platters and things like that. And then the other one I did organise a haul and did the catering myself. So they were sort of fairly straightforward compared to cooking classes and stuff like that. But yeah, I think even with the cooking classes, it's making connections as well. So I did... When I did classes, I did them in cafes, in the domestic kitchen, or not domestic, um, commercial kitchens of different places, even food manufacturers. So there was sort of some really interesting venues that I found where I could reduce costs a little bit for running events, but also tap into other databases as well. Yeah, smart. Mm, mm. Yes, I used to do some for like a whole food supermarket on the Sunshine Coast and go into their commercial kitchen after hours. Yeah. Um, so you sort of tap into that database and, you know, the people that were coming coming there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think events, events are tricky because, you know, trying to make, they're not easy things to make money out of. And I think that's the thing that I found with the cooking classes is... Yep. I love doing them and, you know, I had sometimes I'd have like one a week. It was quite popular, but it was just so much work and when you add in all the expenses, it's like this is a very hard way to make a living Yeah. where it's now working in a supermarket where I can just walk in and my food's prepared for me 
Yeah. I just stick it on a plate. It's it's a lot easier, that's for sure. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, and when you were running yeah. your cooking classes, were they the style of cooking class where people cooked along with you or is it more of a workshop where you cooked and you talked and taught as you did it? Um, more of a I'm cooking and yeah. talking. Yeah. yeah, so generally I would just have people in a circle around a large table or bench. Yeah. So they were sort of there with me rather than sort of sitting in a circle you know as an audience it was sort of more that I'd have them with me but I was pretty much doing it all myself it might be something small that you might get someone to do like remove the leaves of this mint or something but it was pretty much just me demonstrating and educating as I went and yeah at that time probably a lot of nutritional messages that were completely (laughs) false but you know like you sort of get caught up in some of the sort of popular nutritional information that you've got online and stuff like that yeah but I think you know, we, we probably know a lot and have a lot to share, you know, when it comes to cooking. Yeah. Um, and I find that it's just, you know, having like a basic framework and then just letting it flow. Mm. Yeah, I think that's great. I think we often underestimate how much like help people do need in the cooking area too. Like you said, when they go see nutritionists and they don't necessarily know how to prepare certain foods or know the right like recipe combination to make it taste good and make it something they enjoy incorporating. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a brilliant thing to offer to people and having had that experience behind you, I'm sure it really helps you now in what you do, especially when it comes to the recipe development side of things. Mm, Definitely. I think being in the supermarket really helps me to understand what people do and don't know or what they're afraid of or what they think of is a very innovative idea because something that's so normal to us We don't realise that that's new to someone else um, or they wouldn't think that way. So sometimes, you know, we're doing a lot of recipes and sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, it feels very healthy and, you know, a lot of you've got to get in the kitchen and make things. And I think sometimes, you know, people don't have the time for that. So sometimes I'll do things that like open this tin of beans and this tin of tomatoes and whip something up. Or the beginning of this year, which just surprised me massively, I did a theme on like how could you, if you, you know, need lunch and you've forgotten your lunch, how can you just go in the supermarket and whip up a lunch without, you know, any preparation? And it was just like a wholemeal pit of bread with some hummus and some shredded chicken and a Greek salad. So basic and something that we all probably do on picnics or whatever when you're sort of going somewhere and you think, I'll just grab a few things and I can whip something up. Yeah. And the number of people that were like, oh, I hadn't thought of doing that with pita bread. (laughs) (laughs) No, And then weeks later would people be like, oh, I've done that pita bread recipe again. And um, so I think sometimes for me it's remembering how basic it sometimes needs to be like what are 10 things you could put on a rice cake sometimes people just need that information and I think potentially online and like with beautiful photos and stuff we we sort of get a little bit away from that stuff whereas I think people often just need the very basics of like what are some healthy snack options that I can buy without having to prepare anything like yes it's nice to make muffins or crackers but most people aren't going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like how can I just pick a few things from the supermarket shelves and have a snack? So I think it just taught me to go back to basics yeah. with certain things. And so, yeah, what we do varies a lot because it might just be great toast toppings for breakfast yeah. all the way through to like 
let's make a vegan lasagna. Like it will be very varied um, because you've got people with different skills and interests and dietary requirements. But it's just really interesting how like toast toppers can be just as popular as something that is really complicated or unique. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? What would you Mm -hmm. say are some of the skills that are needed for what you're currently doing in this supermarket role? In terms of developing the resources, I think, creativity and sort of curiosity to sort of get in there and and um like explore the products that are in the supermarket and and be creative about what you could do with those um different ways you can prepare them and then doing research and learning as well like I feel like I'm learning all the time because even for us we have our own way of eating that there's a lot more in the supermarket that I don't even really delve into for my own personal diet and yet like exploring all these things and introducing people to different foods. I think just curiosity mm-hmm. is a big one. And then when it comes to actually being in store, it's it's more of a like customer service type role. Like you're just trying to engage people as they're walking past and it's not it's not a sales role. So it's quite different from some of the other tasting roles that you might see in a supermarket or an expo where it's like, come on over and taste, you know, my kabucha fizz or whatever it might be you know and it's very salesy like here it's just more you know you're smiling and interacting but then trying to form a conversation with someone um and you know my intention is not for them to buy anything or they don't really have to be interested it's just really being friendly and open and for them to feel like they can come and talk to you yeah um and I think people are quite often surprised that you're not selling something (laughs) Just, just here for you to have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like those communication skills would be very important. And it's great that you're out there developing on those and starting the conversations and building those relationships. Yeah. And I think just being your own person, bring your personality into it. Cause I think when I, you know, each nutritionist is really different. Yeah. So it's like our own personality, like some are really outgoing and bubbly and and then others are a little bit more reserved, but it's, you know, you can still start a conversation and it's, I think it's just being yourself as, as well is really important. So you're not sort of trying to put on a front of being super excited and engaged. If that's not who you are, then it's just being yourself. People are going to be receptive to that. Yeah, hundred mm. percent agree with that. And you mentioned for making the resources, that creativity, how do you go about making the resources? What tool do you use? Do you use Canva or just um, Word or yeah, how do you put it together? At the moment, I just use Word. Yeah. Um, I do use Canva for other things yeah. and I probably could use Canva, but I have I think I've just been using Word because I was at the time with spell check and stuff like that. It was just easier in Word and I would, yeah. initially I would write the resources in a Word document and then I would format them into a flyer. Yeah, That's sometimes hard to do because you don't know how much room you're going to have and if you add an image then it's less text. So yeah. I'm still doing, using it and doing it in Word, um, but it does help me to you know, with spell checking and stuff. And one cheat thing that I've learnt in Word when I was writing the book that I absolutely love because I think for me writing was something that I loved doing and I really wanted to do but I didn't have a lot of confidence in and that was sort of part of the reason for writing the blog weekly for a period of time to go, yep, I can write a book. Yeah. But English was not nothing, something I wasn't very good at and editing, I would spend hours editing things and I would often get my husband to read 
what I've written to edit it. And so to be in a role where I have to write something and I have to get it out that week um, and it's going to be printed next week and it's going to be in a store, I needed to really build on my editing skills. So I use Grammarly for one, but I also, there's a tool on Word where you can get the computer to read to you. Oh, cool. And it's it's quite robotic, but it's brilliant because it will help you, like if there's a that rather than a then or you know you've missed an a out of a word or something it will miss like it will say it in a weird way you'll be like oh i've realized i've made a mistake there so i find the grammar checking and then to hear it yeah back to myself has been really useful so those i find word is quite good for okay i'm confident that this is readable if word can read it back to me and it makes sense then That's a great little trick. I've never thought of that or heard of that, but I really like it. I think it's really helpful. Mm. It's really good because I think we do often, it's often things that we skip over, like an ah or an an or something like that, where you just keep skipping it when you've written it yourself. Whereas if you hear it, it's like, oh, it instantly comes up as a problem. And that's probably the most common areas that I would have, you know, that final draft. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's brilliant. I really like it. And so what would you say your vision is for what you're currently doing and where you want to go with your career? Oh, vision. (laughs) I think it's something that I struggle with. I think I just know that it constantly changes. I think having sort of flexibility and just going with what feels right in the moment. You know, I've done so many different things in my career so far and have done jobs that I, I didn't think that I would even like, that I was sort of hesitant about taking on board. Yep. So I think that flexibility and just learning to listen to that sort of intuitive voice that says which direction to go into. And I think for me at the moment, two things. You know, I really love the creativity of writing recipes. It sort of brings me alive and just researching and learning. I think I've always got to be doing that. So whatever I'm doing, is there's a learning process happening. But the other thing is around my book is just helping people to relax around food and really enjoy food. So I think, you know, one part of my role is very much nutrition information and recipe inspiration and the actual sort of practicality of it. Yeah. But I'm very interested in bringing that philosophy of enjoying food without sort of the internal dialogue and guilt and shame that comes with it. So Mm. I think my direction is to bring the philosophy that I have around food into my food writing and um, recipe development work Mm. and sort of working out how to do that. So this year just building up my website and, you know, getting some of the foundational platform stuff done so I can focus on that messaging. Yeah, amazing. Mm. And what would you say that you attribute your success to today? What are some of the things that have helped you achieve all that you have achieved? Mm. I think it's curiosity, but it's also persistence. You know, I struggle with this on a daily basis nearly, but it's just committing to something and just each day you're chipping away at this this thing. I think we're looking for like the end result, Mm. this thing that we're aiming for when each day just requires us to do a little bit more work and whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. So I think, you know, being more centred in the moment and just taking it one step at a time and and sort of following my intuition and joy towards the things that feel right at that moment. And I think, yeah, just being flexible and open to different things as well. 
we sometimes think we know what we want, but it's more like we've got to observe ourselves in certain situations and go, that's where I can see myself going. Yeah. It's not so much of an intellectual thing. It's more of a feeling thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Always got to trust that intuition as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brilliant. So now a quick fire question for you. If you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? And I will say, of course, your book will be in there because it sounds like a fantastic <laughs> book encouraging yeah, anti-dieting and that positive relationship with food. Um, so aside from joyful eating, what would your choice be? <laughs> well, I definitely hope that joyful eating could be a useful tool for mm-hmm. um even people working with clients. Yeah. But one of the books that has really helped me is um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. I can't remember the tagline. It's thinking about fear and creativity. And I think it's something that sometimes we don't think that we are creatives when we actually are. Like if we're creating any sort of resource, we are creatives. And if we have passion and drive and you know, I think for a lot of nutritionists and dietitians, there's more to it than just intellectual pursuit. It's there's, you know, sort of a passion and a craft that comes behind that. And and so I think for me that book was really helpful in terms of getting out of our own head in our own way. Yeah. And just being persistent. I think what I found really hard with business over the years is the not knowing what steps to take or if I'm taking the right steps in this moment. And I think that idea of just showing up each day, doing the work and going, Yep, I did I worked for three hours, tick the box is done. Yeah. It really helps helps with that yeah and I wanted to mention another resource that's been really good is just the healthy food guide the little magazine there's Australian one we used to have a New Zealand one but they've cut that out that's a great resource um, for nutritional professionals for working with clients because it gives you looks at products and recipes and yeah it's definitely a really good resource whether you use the online or or the hard copies yeah Mm. yeah that's a great little tip good one yeah. yeah. So in health and nutrition, we're in the business of helping other people, but what do you do to prioritize your wellness in there as well? I think I definitely prioritize my health um, in terms of particularly movement. I think you know, I need to move my body every day, especially if I'm spending a lot of time in front of the computer. Um, I know that I need to, to move, but I think something that's I became aware of, particularly with writing my book and, and a lot of the content that I brought into it, it's just that as healthcare professionals, that we don't have to be perfect. And I think, you know, whether it's a body shape or a diet or, or whatever, that, you know, we're just looking after ourselves and doing the best that we can. But we've also got work to do and other commitments and health ebbs and flows as to whether it's the highest priority in this moment. So I think for me, it's ensuring that I'm fit and healthy to do the things that I want to do in life but you know not pursuing perfection at all yeah of course because yeah it's impossible to be perfect <laughs> we've got to embrace ourselves as yeah. we are and just yeah have that self-love towards ourselves and acceptance and do the best we can and not necessarily strive for the perfection yeah and I think when you're writing recipes for example people think that you must be eating healthy and all this stuff every day but it's like sometimes you just want a piece of toast yeah. with a piece of cheese and like a pickle on the side or something really simple because it's like all you've got time for or, you know, all you can be bothered doing. And I think um, sometimes that's that's a good thing to share, but it's also just remembering that we haven't failed if we have those days too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we're all 
we're all human. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like what they say about chefs, how they get so tired when they get home from work and they just, the last thing they want to do is cook for themselves and make a healthy meal. It's kind of like with us recipe developing some days you've spent so much time and energy into creating delicious, nutritious meals that by the end of the day, you're kind of like, I can't be bothered thinking of another meal to eat. Like, give me something quick and easy. (laughs) So so true. (laughs) The number of times there's been like corn chips and beans and just whatever was left over. And it's just like, that will do. Yeah. (laughs) That's why it's good on like the days you take photos of recipes because there's leftovers and it's like, oh, good, I don't have to make anything else. Yeah, brilliant. Well, this has been such an interesting episode. I've loved learning all about what you've done, so many different cool things throughout your career, and I love what you're currently working on and working towards. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience and your advice. It's been great. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's really fun to reflect on my career as as well and and, um, where I'm headed. So it's a great opportunity. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you, and I think it's great for new grades to hear as well, just... Yeah, there's so many different ways for us to go and I think it can be quite overwhelming and confusing. Yeah. yeah there's just not one distinct path for us to go down, but there's just so many different ways we can go. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Do you have any parting words of advice for the listeners before we do wrap up? I think just flexibility, like flexibility in what you do and, and learning and you never really know the path to take. It's just exploring yeah. as you go. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. And I can't forget a very important question. Where can the listeners find you to learn more about you, check out your book and continue to watch the amazing things that you're doing? Um, So I've got a website, joyfuleatingnutrition.com. And then there's um, Facebook and Instagram and, and Pinterest as well, where people can connect. Yeah, so great to connect with other people that are doing similar things yeah yeah so nice brilliant and i will link to all of those in the show notes and all the posts i share for this episode as well so thank you so much for being here it's been brilliant i hope everyone loves and learns a lot from this thank you thanks so much I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality.